0: Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yussi. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud.
1: Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. My name is Tobias, and I'm back again with Yussi Hoine. What's up?
0: Hey, Tobias. All is good. It's 2021 now, and I am back from lapland and and when we left lapland we had a lot of snow there then i landed in helsinki and we got a lot of snow in helsinki as well so it's not that much different now at home either but perhaps more importantly 30 seconds uh, before we started recording this episode i got a text message and i get those on my phone and then my watch uh my smartwatch shows those messages for me that the nearby post package pickup location that we have here they have my package now with my long-awaited Synology NAS that I did order about two months ago so once we're done with this recording I will go and pick that up and start tinkering uh,
1: okay we, we need to talk at
0: two times the speed in this episode So you can go pick up the the new gadgets <laughs> exactly because time is of essence when you get new gadgets and you need to learn how how to build those and, and tweak everything and once <laughs> once it's set up And it's running underneath your table. You kind of forget that you have it, but you're still happy that you got it. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So how about for you?
1: Uh, So for me, I'm enjoying my final days of uh, parental leave. And I've been off now for about three weeks. This is my final week. And then I'm back in business next week. So it's going to be fun to jump into the various projects and, and challenges of the cloud again. Also lately, I've been dealing a bit with cryptocurrencies And they've had a huge upswing and I've done that for many years, but it's not for investment or trading as much as looking at various kind of trading platforms and see what these different blockchains can offer and how they can help society and businesses to form a better world. So perhaps that's fodder for for different episodes uh, that we can record all together, because I really see the the benefits coming into fruition with a lot of the different aspects of blockchain where you have like no central authority. You have like the contracts being agreed upon by all parties of the entire network, perhaps not so much for just virtual currency and investment and trading, but like sending these things and and having the machines mining and work together to uh, kind of have the the, uh, transparent contracts in place for various things. So you can have like a, a public ledger of whatever happened has been publicly logged in this ledger and you cannot modify it. That is the truth. Uh, So there's a a lot of interesting ideas. So maybe we can do an episode later on blockchain technology in general, not specific for a currency, not specific for Azure blockchain stuff, but like the ideas behind blockchain. And I have some interesting people that can come on
0: board and talk about that. That sounds interesting. And I'm not often, but perhaps on a weekly basis, I am checking the valuation, the price of a single Bitcoin. And I have no idea what it is today, but it's probably a lot of money. So perhaps so, so la- one... last
1: week, last week it was uh, forty-one thousand dollars for one mm-hmm. coin, and today is thirty-four thousand. So we dropped ten thousand, uh, or uh, six thousand. But this is how it goes: a couple of days, a couple of thousand dollars,
0: whatever. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps you, you need to speculate a bit more on that. In that sense, that I wouldn't give investment advice on getting bitcoins today. But perhaps I need to buy like the smallest portion you can buy of a single coin just to have fun seeing it go up and down.
1: Yeah. And, and just to kind of reiterate on that, not being an investment advice, understanding the risk is important. Just looking back to 2020 in March, Bitcoin was around $3,000 and now it's $34,000. So that's a 1,000% increase. But this is also how quickly it decreases. So if you do invest in it, you can lose 95% of everything in a week. Just be aware.
0: It's, It's a dangerous game if you don't know what's going on. Indeed, it is. Let's definitely do an episode on that sometime in the near future. So today, we are talking about getting started with machine learning using Lobe. Do you know what Lobe is?
1: I know we had an episode where we very briefly talked about different things. And I know you mentioned Lobe.ai being some kind of smart intelligence system for doing cool, super cool AI stuff with kind of low or no code. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to you to explain it to me so I understand what it is. Uh, and we can kind of drill down from there. So
0: so what is it? So oftentimes when something new and interesting comes up on my radar, Loeb being one of those, I I download or take them for a spin if it's a web page or a service or an API. And then when I have something up and running, I just leave it be and perhaps publish a blog post on it first. And then a few months later, I sort of revisit that topic to see, okay, has my thinking evolved at all? Has that product or service evolved at all? So the same thing happened with Loeb. So you can get it from globe.ai and it's a free tool Uh, in essence i think it was a startup that microsoft acquired all the way in in 2018 and there's support for windows and mac os so it's a local to local application that you download an executable you install it and then you run it locally in in that sense it has nothing to do with the cloud but there's an injection point to Azure, and that's probably why we're talking about this today as well. So once you've downloaded it and, and you run the setup next, next, next install, you do not have to reboot, which I'm always happy for. And what do you do with Lobe? You create machine learning models based on your images. That's the thing.
1: So it's, it's AI for images only? There's That's their kind of concept in this. This is not or you build your own models for data input, output, it's only images,
0: right? It's only images. And the whole idea is that you have a bunch of images and you probably know those images really well. And as I, I learned out when I was trying this out, you need uh, a fair amount of images. If you have five images, it's not enough. You need at least 10 per a single label. Let's get to labels in a bit. And once you have enough images, let's say you have 50 images that you want to uh, have part of your, of your machine learning model, then you can actually start using load. So instead, as, as I have often see a traditional ML or AI project going, you sit down with a customer and then you go, okay, so we do this sort of a model and we inject it in here and we integrate it with this web page. Let's start with the data and then we spend six months on massaging the data, getting access and permissions and figuring where to store it, how to access that and how do we clean the data. It's, it's a lot of uh, databases, a, a lot of Python scripts and the whole thing with LoB is that you do not need to do any of that. So that's perhaps the reason why it's only for images. You have those images and your goal and intention is, is going to be to create a model based on those images that you can then lift and shift the model in the cloud and use that model in your own applications, a mobile app, a web page, or something else.
1: Right. And, and the focus here is machine learning. I guess this is the key word. It's about you training this model, um, and, and that's without effort of coding. You can kind of click through this. You can do the training through this application or, or their web app or however you use it. Um, and then export, like you mentioned, lift and ship to different clouds. And I, I guess this is the strength because it's I've played around with machine learning and different types of AI technologies, and oftentimes it's pretty complex to get started with. And once you get a hold of it and understand it, it can you know you can kind of ease into it. But listening to what you just said here and taking a look at their website, it feels like this is a super cool way to start with machine learning because you don't have to know the technical details. You just upload your images and then you categorize them, do
0: whatever, you, do a couple of clicks and then start training, right? Exactly. So, so what we'll cover next is how do you get started? And in essence, um, in a helicopter view, you install AI. you have your images, you label the images, you train the model, then you export the model. And once the model is exported, then you can lift and shift that to the cloud and integrate that with whatever you have. It could be a logic app, it could be a web page, simply calling your custom API or something else. So to get started, as I mentioned already, you install Lobe. So HTTPS and you click on download, it gives you the setup, next, 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 finish. You're done. It takes about 25 seconds to get started. But then you need the data. And, and what I did is, uh, I went to my photo gallery. So I use an Android phone. So all of my photos are in Google Photos. So it's super easy. I go to photos.google.com and I need pictures, images that, that I could use in a single model. So there's no point in getting a picture of your kid and your car because I, I cannot find a use case between those two. So what I did is I used pictures of weightlifting plates so, so those are the actual weights and they are color coded nowadays. So the green ones are 10 kilos. How much is that in pounds? Is it like 20, 22? I, I, don't,
1: I don't know. Uh, I just know that you don't need to be an AI machine to understand that you spend too much time in the gym.
0: <laughs> yes, that could be it as well. And the blue ones are 20 kilos. So I think that's about 45 pounds and so on. So I have numerous pictures of those plates. And the intention is not to go to the gym and take pictures of the plates and people looking at you weirdly. But for me, often when I go to the gym, I take one picture. So later on, I I get this uh, gratification that I went to the gym so and so many times last month simply by looking at the pictures. So then you need to label those. So I had 10 pictures of the green ones, the green plates, 10 kilo ones, and I had 10 of the blue ones and 10 of the red ones. The red ones are 25 kilos, so 50, 55 pounds, 60 maybe. And you add those pictures in Lobe. You simply drag and drop them. It's, it's fairly fast. So it adds them in a gallery within the application. And then you click through each one of those and label them. So one could perhaps think that this is like a metadata, but it's more of a label and you can only apply one label per picture. So you cannot have a picture that has a green and a blue one and you cannot have two labels in that one picture. So that's why I had to sort of modify those a bit because I would often have a picture with one green and one blue one. And and I wanted to be sure that a picture only has one of those, not two because then then it, it becomes fairly confusing. So now I have 30 pictures, 10 green, 10 blue, 10 red ones. And I click through each one of them and I, I label them as blue plate, red plate, green plate, and so on. And that's it. All you have to now do is click on train. There's a button for train and it goes through all of those pictures, picks up the labels, analyzes the pictures and creates your machine learning model simply by doing this.
1: That's pretty, pretty slick. And I like this idea of just labeling. And in this case, it's about pictures. So whatever your use case is for recognizing and categorizing pictures, you throw them in there, maybe you have a thousand pictures and you just label them Well, just label them might take some time to do the initial labeling. If you have a lot of pictures, and then you just start the training and the machine will ask you how correct am I, am I on the right track? And then you, I guess, with low BI, I never tried it, but I guess this is the same as most machine learning that when you do the training, it's going to say, I think this is a red plate. And if it's not, you can correct it and tell it's it's not. And then it kind of learns. And this is where the machine learning bit comes in, where it learns that, oh, I made a mistake, then change the algorithm. This is the outcome now and you kind of make it better. And I like that there's no complexity here because a lot of the time when I watch a presentation or a video or someone talk about learning ma- machine learning or, or ramping up an AI technologies and, and machine learning and algorithms and what algorithm do you need to choose in order to make the best prediction of the outcome of these images and whatever. It's super confusing, right? Especially for me who doesn't work with that on a daily basis. This, what you just explained, seems like anyone can actually just log into the website, upload pictures and get going.
0: Exactly. I I feel like Loeb is the power apps of machine learning in that sense that you you do not need to be a data scientist. You do not need to be a developer because there's no place where you can put code in. You have the images, you label them, you train that model. And once you're done with, with the training and for reference, 30 pictures, three different labels on my AMD 3900X uh, CPU. It took about 10 seconds for 30 pictures. And this was with the old version. So this was in November when I did it first, November 2020. But in December 2020, there was an update to log. So it also supports GPU. It doesn't just use your CPU now. So for me, the initial 30 pictures with three labels, uh, they were 93% correct. So it identified seven incorrectly and then I, I i had to decide do i exclude those images from my data set or do i crop them or do i manually go through those seven percent of the images and, and relabel them and say no no you got this this incorrect it, it's actually like this and once you're done with labeling and training you can also play so once you have the model you add any sort of an image and say what do you see in this image and it will say well i see a green plate and if that's correct then It allows you to test your model in this play zone and to see how Lobe reacts to that. And everything is run locally. Nothing nothing is needed beyond installing Lobe. And the beauty, as I said already, is you do not need to have this never ending Excel file or do complex SQL queries or have access to Azure Data Lake or any, any of that. You more or less just need the images And the more images you have, the more time you're going to spend on labeling those in order to understand if the model works. So what happens then? Then you need to export it as an API. And this this gets slightly more complex. So there's a local API, it's just a REST rest endpoint. And uh, what's, what's great about this is that you can select what your scripting or programming language and it generates then, then the skeleton code for you to try out locally to call the API. So while Lobe is running, it exposes this API and you can test that model as if you were already in production. For okay. me, I, I use the, the curl one-liner. One so I could simply open command prompt or Windows terminal, call my API and say, okay, this is what I have. What do you see in this? And the other option, and this is where it actually gets slightly more complex, is that you can export the API or, or the, the model as an API as TensorFlow or TensorFlow Lite. I understand that Lite is for mobile apps and TensorFlow is for everything else. And here it simply says, well, let me save you, let, let me export this binary file with the model in your local directory. And then you're on your own. Now you have to figure out, how do I get the model to be hosted in Azure? Is it going to be on Docker or a virtual machine, or is there some sort of a PaaS service? And I found some guidance on this. I did not have time to go through this yet, but I already had people reach out to me and say, hey, this looks really good based on my blog post, but how do we actually deploy this? So that's the thing I will work on next. Cool. Uh,
1: I never actually use TensorFlow. I've, I've seen it, I've played around with it, but never actually used it in production or for any large scale projects. But just learning from, from this episode, when you talk about Lobe AI, I see use cases for things that I do in my line of business for some of the products that we build, that this could actually be interesting for us to leverage in our products because of the APIs, then we can also export the models and kind of plug them into our code so we can actually run machine learning on the images that we have and need to process based on no code machine learning. And that would actually greatly help the productivity of building some of the things that I have in mind because we don't need to invest in machine learning expertise. We don't need to ramp up on AI. If like in my use case, I need to classify categorize complex images this might be a way to do that and then have them running in the cloud uh, when i've ex- exported them so that's a it's a great tip i really like the, the concept here of lobe ai i never tried it but i will try it because i think this is a very
0: low bar entry point to machine learning so very very cool to get started with it it certainly is and uh, so as i said in the show notes we'll add a couple of microsoft docs on how to train and deploy TensorFlow models in the cloud there's a little bit of Python involved and I'm I'm looking if there's an approach that I could simply use to say, here's the model, spin up a Docker container, let's say in Azure container instances, use this model and just expose the API back to me. And perhaps it's as easy as I I make it sound or then I need to go through those different uh, notebooks and Python scripts to figure out how it works, but perhaps that's another episode on Lobe. How do you actually get it deployed in production? Um, and I mentioned the December update. So this was in December, 2020. Uh, there's GPU support, and they also promise a better performance. And there's an icon on the blog post, better performance to X. So perhaps if it took 10 seconds, now it takes only five seconds. And a couple of new export formats are tensorflow.js and onnx, which I understood is the sort of universal format that people prefer. Some additional stuff. What if you have a lot of images? Let's say you have 500,000 images. Uh, there's um, It's a little bit hidden, but when you go to add images in the top right corner you have this small menu and in there, you can import a data set of images. So you can, you can uh, serve a CSV file and say, okay, this is the directory, this is the labels for the images, please just pick this up. You can also capture images with webcam if you just want to do ad hoc. And there's a setting that took me a while to find that you can, for the model, you can choose if you want to optimize for speed or accuracy. So accuracy is the default, and I, I left it as it is. but should it start becoming really slow and you have a lot of images, then perhaps optimize for speed. And there's also a button for optimizing the model. So once you've done with the learning and testing and everything looks good, it's uh, click on optimize because this sort of uh, makes it ready for publishing and for using in production.
1: Very nice. I, I never like the, when you do optimizations for speed or accuracy, this is like uh, the triangle where you have to select two things out of three, but you can never have all of them. It's yeah. obviously I want it to be quick, but I also want it to be accurate because what, what does it, what's the point of having a machine learning model that is not accurate, but it's very quick, but it's very quick of doing inaccurate things versus something that does things very accurate, but it's slow. So yeah, find, find a balance. Or just use a bigger machine to run exactly and
0: (laughs) uh for pricing it's free there's no cost involved perhaps if the tool evolves they might have different tiers or some sort of an angle for exporting directly to azure but for now it looks really startupy as an application so to me it feels like microsoft acquired the team and the product and and left them to do their thing and they've been doing that thing for a couple of years now and it's evolving quite nicely. So I I hope there's a future with Loeb, it's looking promising. And I also hope that they will will evolve this to sort of have this end-to-end deployment model in place. And while I was using this and and building my own, own prototype with the plates, I started thinking, what's the audience here? It's, it's not data scientists because they already have those tools and they understand how to use them. This is the newcomers. This is the citizen developers. This is the business people who come in and say, well, I, I have these images. I need to do something with them. And then they can do this bit first and somebody else does the deployment and management of that model after they've, they've done the training.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: Cool stuff. So this was a nice rundown of, of Lobe. So download lobe at Loeb.ai, try it out. Let us know how you end up with that. And on the show notes, we'll add the additional details as well. And we'd be anxious to hear if you end up using this and, and what the experience is for you down the road. And as always, thank you for listening. And until next time. See you then.